Welcome back, everyone, to the Stadium Journey podcast. Thanks for listening tonight. Our website, stadiumjourney.com, is the world leader in sports travel information with reviews of over 2,500 stadiums all around the world. I think we're up to 37 countries right now. And we are so much more than just an awesome website. Connect with us on our social media channel at Stadium Journey. Uh, you can find audio versions of the Stadium Journey podcast. Very simply, pick up your phone, type into your search thing, search aggregator, uh, type in HIAC Talk Radio Network, wherever you go to find your favorite podcast, and we'll, we'll be there. Uh, video simulcasts can be found on Stadium Journey's YouTube page. And if you're looking for our classic back catalog of, of podcasts, they can still be found at vocnation.com. And for those of you who want to be part of our live studio audience, we record live every other Tuesday night at 7 Eastern. Today's a Wednesday. Yes, I know. But usually it's Tuesday night at 7 at danlaw.tv. And uh, tonight we're running a little bit shorthanded, but we will kill off the penalty. I promise you that. Uh, Mark Viquez could not be here with us tonight. But if you want to follow him on the Twitter machine, you can find him at Ballpark Hunter. But with us tonight, we got Dave Cotney here. Follow him at ProFan9. And we got the other guy, Dan Calachico. You can find him online at DanLaw83. And I'm Paul Baker. You can follow me at PuckmanRI. And we are happy to be joined tonight to fill out our square. We're joined tonight by Ryan Burgess. Ryan, among other things, is the PA announcer for the Buffalo Buttes of the Premier Hockey Federation and the Canisius Golden Griffins hockey team. Ryan, welcome. Thank you, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be here. Really excited to uh, talk some with y'all. All right. So uh, we're going to talk a little Buffalo. We're going to talk a little bit about your career and your experiences. But I guess since this is a Buffalo-themed episode, we got to ask the first most important question. Anchor bar or Duffs? Neither. Oh, look at that. That's like when you ask Dan about a cheesecake, uh, cheesecake, cheesesteak. <laughs> no, there's this place uh, called the Barbell Tavern that I really like. I've been there a couple times, and they have the best wings around here that I've had yet. Hmm. Is that the place right across the street from um, the ballpark? They've got two locations. One's in East Aurora, and they have one, like, closer to Amherst, I believe. Okay, because Washington yeah, Square is the one I think you're thinking of. Yeah, because uh, one of those things, all, all the locals, Buffalo locals, have their own local place that they, they tout. I know I went up to a, a Sabres game one time and met up with our colleague, Andrew Kulik, who's from Buffalo. He writes for, uh, what's it, Art Voice magazine? I yeah. believe so. Yeah, and uh, he took me to this little hole-in-the-wall place, and he says, these are the best wings in Buffalo. I don't care what anybody else says. So, always have to ask that question. So, uh, Ryan, uh, we had uh, Sam Fryman on last week from the Premier Hockey Federation. Um, and, you know, I've got my uh, my banner-raising picture behind me. How are things going in Buffalo for you all this year? It's an interesting season. We've had some travel postponements, and we've had some COVID postponements. So as far as the wins uh, and the on-ice success, it's not really stacking up yet. But I think once this team finds their way uh, into a groove, uh, the plan is to peak right going right into playoffs and that's the best time to peak no doubt. But, uh, and actually uh the buttes and yourself had had a very uh, interesting weekend last week and a, an exciting weekend it was uh buffalo had to step in and host the all-star showcase uh because it was moved from toronto uh, because of the covid restrictions they have up there they wouldn't have been able to host it with fans 
and the fans are the greatest part of the PHF experience uh, that they get to watch these elite athletes. So to do that, you know, they were able to work things out with the town of Amherst, which owns the rink in which we play. And we had ourselves a great weekend. Nice. Uh, oh, so you guys are in Amherst now because in the past few seasons, you all played right downtown, correct? Right. After uh, it was a couple of years ago, um, PSE relinquished, uh, I guess, operating control of the Buttes back to the league. So they would have had to renegotiate everything that goes with it, like the ice fees and things like that. So we're now playing at Northtown Center in Amherst, which is right by the uh, north campus of the University of Buffalo. Nice. And how, how is that experience working out for you? Because you've been with the Buttes for quite a while now, correct? I'm like, I think I'm the only one left from the first year that's an actual <laughs> staff member. <laughs> I actually have the same thing going on in Boston. I am the third longest tenured employee of the Pride. <laughs> you got Jillian Dempsey, you got Kaylee Fracken. You got <laughs> I, I don't think there's any players left from year one. Um, but as far as staff, I think I'm the only one left from the very beginning. So that's coming in handy. Uh, and, and the Buttes are not the only job you have. I mean, I touched on it before, but you, you do uh, PA work for several teams, right? Yep. Uh, in addition to the Buttes, uh, I'm in Division One college hockey with uh, Canisius College here. Um, I've dabbled in some collegiate club hockey. Um, my first actual hockey gig was with University of Buffalo's club hockey team. I did their games for the better part of 10 years. Um, I'm in junior hockey with the Buffalo Junior Sabres. Um, we play in the Ontario Junior Hockey League. And because of the COVID restrictions at the border, we haven't been able to play for two years. Oh, um, is that, Dan, is that, Dan, uh, sorry. sorry, is that tier two or uh, junior B or? Um, in the U.S., we're considered tier two. We're a step below the USHL. Uh, but in Ontario, in Ontario, we're a step below like major junior, like the OHL and whatnot. But still considered junior A? Yes. Okay. In Canada, they call it tier two junior A. Yeah. They've got a beautiful mind face going right now. Like, There's so much junior hockey Canadian. in Canada. It's not even funny. I don't know how they keep track of it all. <laughs> Uh, we do okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, some of those, some of those, uh, like major juniors, easy to follow, and then you go A, junior A, junior B, junior C. Those are kind of easy to follow. It's once you get outside of that, and it's like also junior A, but not Canadian Hockey League junior A. It gets a little confusing then. It's just proximity. Um, we're a lot closer to Toronto and the GTA then we are a lot of other areas playing junior hockey. So historically, that's where we've played. It's just made sense to go over there. I mean, I've been on road trips with the Junior Sabres as far as Trenton, Ontario, and that is a jaunt and a half. That's about halfway to Kingston. Yep. Yep. There, Buffalo has been, well, for, for hockey insiders and media types, Buffalo has been on the OHL radar for decades. 
Uh, I think the league would love to be able to put a team in Buffalo because then they, they could secure OHL draft rights to the entire state. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of competition in Buffalo. Um, and then even, you know, the rest of upstate New York, you've got, you've got AHL hockey and I'm sure there's, you know, USHL or whatever equivalent junior hockey down there too. So it just, it's just never happened. And that's why you get, Funny things like a, a team in Flint, Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great point, Deb. I've always wondered why the OHL hasn't put a team in that area. You figure there's enough hockey fans in Buffalo to go around. Uh, the thing I've heard or that I've kind of come to understand over the past several years um, is that if it's not the absolute top level professional bills, Sabres, folks just don't care. So that's the challenge. Cities. That's the challenge. Well, I mean, look at look at uh, you know it's college other places. Yeah, look at college football in Buffalo. I mean, they, I mean, they were hideous for a long time, and even still, right? Like, UB is never going to be a Power Five kind of kind of program. They're also they're always going to be a kind of mid range, you know. Um, what do they call it? What do they call it? The, the group of the group of five or whatever the next. Yeah, I think so. The next uh, group. Um, and, and you can tell like the facility isn't there and, and, you know, supports up and down. I mean, I, I've been to Canisius for hockey a few times. I can't say, I can't say I've ever not had the opportunity to, to stretch out and, and enjoy the space. Um, so yeah, it's I I think it's a plus minus, right? You get when when Canisius moved to the Harbor Center, it was it was great in one sense because you know they're not embarrassed by playing at Division Three Buffalo State anymore, which just shocked me the first time I went. Um, but you're literally across the street from the Buffalo Sabers, right? So yeah, the building's connected. Actually, it's tough. Yeah, we're right on the metro line too. Uh, right at right at the right at the very end, the Erie Canal Harbor Station, the Special Events Station. So it's easy for like students and whatnot to get down there. It's just a matter of cajoling them to fill out our student section, and help me and our pep band out. So yeah, right. That, that brings up some uh, some good questions. Uh, oh, you got a question there, Dan? Well, yeah, I was going to ask something similar, but somebody in the chat named Roland uh, asked the same thing uh, as a member of the Buffalo Buttes. What was it like being around the Bills, being around the Sabres, having the only championship in the city for the long time? Well, we had actually won that title before they even assumed operations. But I have to say it was, it was pretty cool, you know, I don't want to talk to, about that game. Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, being able to see that it's kind of the same, we're on this kind of the same level as the Bandits at the time because they win NLL titles. Uh, they just haven't been able to get it done in the Big Four yet, no matter how many cracks they've had at the can. Right. Right. Now, I remember being super excited watching that. No offense, Paul, but, you know. No, not... what, a, what a game. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware, that was the 2017 season, if I remember correctly. 
and the championship game was played at Songus Arena in Lowell, Massachusetts. And Brianna McLaughlin had a game of a lifetime. I think the final count was what seventy-two saves. Ryan, is that correct? The official count is still not accurate. She's uh, still officially shorted, but everybody knows it was a seventy-save performance. Yeah, I, I was at that game. I was sitting right behind her for most of it. I got some great pictures uh, from that game because I was sat- sitting there because like I chose that seat because you know. Songus Arena set, seats like 6,000 fans. There were maybe a couple hundred there. So I'm like, where am I going to get the best spots? And then for the third period, I'm like, where am I going to see the comeback, the epic comeback? And it just never happened. She just saved shot after shot. And Boston that year, I think their record was something crazy, like 23-1. and one. Yeah, and they, they didn't just, lose much that year. Yeah, they were just overwhelming favorites going into the game. And then they ran into McLaughlin and, and company, and it was he saw the puck game. really, really well that night. I just remember being super excited because uh, one, I wanted to see Boston lose, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, because it's been so long since Boston's seen any success and happiness. So I was really like hoping they would. Oh no! But I was also excited because it was Buffalo, you know, and. I'm not a I'm not a Sabres fan. I'm a miserable Flyers fan, as you can tell from the conversation at the beginning uh, before we went on the air. But it's always impressed me watching Buffalo Sabres fans uh, show up for their team this year, notwithstanding, like for a scrimmage game and filling that arena and seeing the Buttes get support and then just winning the championship from arguably the not even arguably the team that year. I was like, oh, that's great. I, I really hope people are happy, and I hope some of the Sabres fans go, I'm going over there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually ended up meeting the team bus when it came back. So I was one of the first folks who wasn't part of the traveling party that got to see Izzy and whatnot. I think <laughs> Channel 2 interviewed me, and I might have said something to the effect of, y'all need to get out and see this team. <laughs> yeah but a little bit more diplomatically for four in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so, Where are you at? <laughs> so has there been any sort of uh, attendance change moving from Harbor Center to out to Amherst? Well, what I like to say about Buffalo is you can be anywhere you want to be in 20 minutes because our traffic isn't that bad. Getting around is generally easy. Our home opener this year, I think it Who's our home over against Connecticut? Very well attended. Um, haven't been getting a lot. To my knowledge, we don't do as well with the pre-sale, but at Northtown Center, there's four pads. Something's always going on there. So our, we do walk up very well, and the building looked pretty full for that home opener. Oh, no, it was Toronto. Oh. And what's the – what's the uh size difference or is there size difference uh well harbor center seats 1800 i want to say north town is a little less than that maybe like 15 so pretty almost the same yeah a little smaller yeah has there been any notable differences now that espn has uh, jumped aboard and started airing these games well, this has been some of my first experience operating to a broadcast schedule. So it's 
pretty invaluable for me as far as um, my knowledge. And I have, I eventually want to announce at the highest levels. So knowing how all this works is part and parcel of it. So I'm happy for it. Um, have to keep the music a little lower during intermissions because they do have interviews with a camera across the ice to the penalty boxes. So just have to keep that in mind. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. I, I can tell you as a fan, um, and and uh, and don't take offense to this. I don't have a horse in any race. I watch P, uh, uh, the Premier Hockey League because, and I say that because I always forget the order of the initials, even though I know the name of the league, PHF. Um, I will watch all the games, and I was watching them all on Twitch, but to see get the rub in high def and seeing people coming and showing up and seeing the excitement in the games, you'd see that translating into the play, which I've, I've said from the beginning, it's hockey. There's no difference. Watch this, watch these ladies. It's, 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 it's competitive hockey. Um, I was talking about it with a friend earlier this week. And, and I, I think the best way to describe it is say NHL hockey coming out of the first lockout 0506 because there's speed and there's emphasis on restraining and those kinds of fouls. And in women's hockey, of course, you can't body check. So if you're fast, if you can control the puck, if you're skating as a unit and you can defend as a team, that those are the keys to success in the PHF. Well, it, there's no checking, but I did notice a little uptick in the physicality than the previous years, or maybe – Maybe because it's being presented by ESPN, I just was kind of noticing it more because all the shots are a little bit better than it was on the on a. I don't know. It's coming across as it's a little more feisty this year, and I'm enjoying the hell out of it because I'm seeing punches that weren't getting swung on before, and I'm seeing people getting the word. I'm like, okay, let's go. But if yeah, you're not right? watching it, that's your problem because this is great. And plus, as I said before, being the miserable Flyers fan I am, I'll be like, is the PHF on? Because I ain't watching this. And I'll go watch I liken it to, um, well, I played roller hockey for a number of years when I was younger. And the printed rules always said no checking, but expect physical contact because you're battling for the puck. Yep. And yeah. Like, we're seeing the same thing here. Yeah, it, it's it, it's happening. I mean, it, I, I said it with um, – Sam on, and I'll say it with you on anybody listening to this. If you've not given the PHF a chance, listen, it's hockey. If you like hockey at all, you're going to love these games. And like I said, with the ESPN uh, airing it now, it's readily available where Twitch was, it's not difficult to use, but Twitch was a bit of a, I mean, we mentioned it with Sam, I mentioned it with you, and I'm sure you were watching sometimes the community that got built on Twitch within the NWHL and now the PHF is insane. The numbers, the welcome. It's one of the Twitch community. It's one of three Twitch channels I watched where there wasn't arguing like at all. It was people welcoming anybody. Oh, you should root for this team. And you know, uh, boo Boston, you suck. Just kidding. You know, all that kind of thing. I'm not kidding though. I am boo Boston. No. Um, but there was this little thing where I'm like, there's a lot of people that don't kind of know what Twitch is and won't go near it. And now that ESP, it's on TV. I'll just watch it on TV. So I, it's just, it's felt different to me as a fan. 
I don't know if it's translated to you guys down on the ice and at the uh, arenas, but it just feels different this year. And I'm really looking forward to see how the Isabel Cup is covered. And, um, man, it's going to be exciting because, like I said, it's been feisty this year. And those playoffs are going to be exciting. We got three really solid teams at the top of the standings. And the next level down isn't a big step down for them either. So I think these playoffs anything are can happen. Um, incredibly competitive. Yeah. I'm about to freeze my keister off next month because we are hosting Toronto in the outdoor game. Oh, no. <laughs> Wait, oh, whoa, whoa. Be another feather, an outdoor game. That's awesome. Hold on a second. Wait, what? How have I not? <laughs> they, um, you guys did one last year, too, or the year before, Ryan. The year right? before, it was called the Buffalo Believes Classic. Uh, oh, that's the Metropolitan right. Metropolitan Riveters were there and uh, nearly pulled off the comeback. Taylor Kersey had another one of her... Uh, hold my beer. I got this moments. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember that game. Yeah. Uh, that was, that was something to watch. And, uh, I was coming right from a Canisius game. So one of my trusted colleagues who kind of fills in for me kind of got us set up and we, we split the game. He did the Metro starters. I did the Butte starters. He did a period. I did a period. It, and it, it was fun. So I'm, I'm hoping that everybody uh, watching on ESPN Plus uh, appreciates the spectacle of outdoor hockey. Absolutely. Well, speaking of uh, spectacles, Ryan, I have actually been to a Buttes game. Um, a few years back, they did a doubleheader at the uh, – why can't I think of the name of the, the arena now? They did a Buttes game in the afternoon, Sabres game at night. Oh, yeah. That was, uh, arena? That was the one yeah. – Bank Center where we had Minnesota in that weekend. Yep, and uh, it was incredible because they had expected just a few people to show up and they had, I think, three or four sections on one side set aside for the fans. Those things filled up so quickly that they had to open more sections and more sections and eventually a good half of the lower bowl was filled for this game. It was yeah, half was the 100 level. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Were you, were you working that game? That was that was one of my games, and that was actually the first professional game I've ever called at KeyBank Center. So there you go. I'm waiting for for the pride to do something like that with the Bruins too. So, so I'll get my shot. <laughs> so um, we're we're talking a lot about the PHF. Your thoughts on the new uh, the new initiatives that were just announced, the new salary structure, uh, expansion, all that good stuff. Uh, well. I'm thrilled to see the investment in our elite athletes and. I hope it continues because we're building something here and everybody loves to rag on us. But I mean, tell me the NHL didn't have problems in its first 10 years, especially because they're communicating by, you know, train and whatnot. <laughs> they got problems now. Let, right? <laughs> let, let's, let's be realistic. The, the NHL had such problems in its first 10 years, they don't even acknowledge them. Right, the, I mean, because the original from... six were not the original six. Oh, <laughs> it was the original <laughs> four. Down of to which three. I think one of them was actually. I think the Montreal Montreal was in the uh, original six. Magic arenas, arenas magically burned down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was, the, it was one of the Canadians, the uh, arenas in Hamilton. Yes, Hamilton. Yeah, 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 I think Hamilton, yeah. No, even before that, uh, I, I want to see 
Hockey's a hi, people's history of hockey. CBC explains all. I think all. Ottawa. I think Ottawa had a team. We did. There were four. Yeah, Ottawa had a team. I have to, now I have to look that up. I'm reading <laughs> the history of the Canadians. And but no, Ryan, that part uh, was the, a little joke. The NHL has problems now. It was all this time, right? Yeah, it never changes. The money just gets bigger, which is well, right. another whole other podcast. Well, that's what I'm hoping happens here. At least the money getting bigger so that the salaries get bigger and our players can earn a living playing hockey, which they is the hockey players here. Right. They can be hockey players and not ICU nurses like Kaylee Hutchison. Well, we, we asked we, we asked Sam about it, but we'll ask you about it as well, Ryan. There is a big step in that direction this year where the board increased the money going into the league, which also increases the salary across the board. That's got to have a great feeling uh, ripple effect down into the locker room. It, it does. I'm sure it does. I don't exactly have the level of access that I've had in the past because of COVID protocols and things like that, oh, that's true, yeah. which is understandable. But yeah. the general feeling I'm getting whenever I talk to our general manager, Nate Oliver, um, there's just optimism. There's optimism about what we're doing now and what we're, what we're trying to do in the future. Um, the money that's being sunk in, you know, part of that's going to facility improvements, too. I'm not sure what exactly that means. If it means uh, we get better net pegs, then I'm all for it. Uh, the expansion, I'm thrilled to have Montreal coming in and another American-based team because the more area, the more places where people can go to watch us, the better. If, what if is... you had uh, your pick, Ryan, where would you put that eighth team? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, my initial thoughts, Pittsburgh, because they've done so much with the league already. They hosted, I think, an all-star weekend. They've hosted games. Um, Pittsburgh, Philly, um, the DMV, those would all be great. I could even see Raleigh. Um, but Raleigh, that's wow. That no wow. One brought up yeah. Uh, because the uh, – I. I see quite a bit of the uh, Carolina Junior Hurricanes girls team on Twitter. And it seems like, you know, that's a program that they've really tried to build, maybe with an eye toward, you know, attracting a team. But on the other side of the ledger, I see Minnesota out there by their lonesome screaming for a closer trip. Yeah. So Detroit, um, Madison, Wisconsin, I think that would be a fantastic fit. That's what I've been screaming for years now. Is Madison. <laughs> yep. Or Chicago. There is Chicago is what I would like to see. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, the, all the choices that you listed, all, all fantastic options as well. And how great is it that we're talking about cities maybe vying for a professional women's franchise? Uh, that's really exciting to see, especially as, you know, the women's sports movement has gained so much steam over the past few years. I'm just, just getting that feeling that it's like it's like a rock that's getting ready to go down a big hill or like a snowball and go down a hill gets bigger. And a rising tide lifts all boats, as I say. So we will just have to see what happens and enjoy the ride such as it is. So what's uh, in, in the current situation, current COVID, uh, recent COVID situation, what what's uh, Toronto doing right now? Are they, 
are they playing at home and everybody's, you know, crossing the border or whatnot, or are they playing somewhere they're else? Playing, or? They're playing in Toronto. Okay. Um, the Buttes just went up there a couple, a few weeks ago uh, with the restrictions they had in effect at that time. They couldn't have fans, but they could play the game. Yeah, we've just, just yesterday, they've opened it up and you can now have uh, 500 max or 50%, whichever's less. Gotcha. So, so yeah, we've got a lot of junior teams now trying to figure out, you know, which of their 3,000 season ticket holders get to have tickets for the games. <laughs> Rotating lottery. Uh uh, it's yeah, a good I, problem to have. You could just be like America well, and ignore it. You know, in the in the uh, like the Leafs and the Raptors, I think they're just like, yeah, forget it. <laughs> we're not, nah, not worth not, it. We're not even gonna bother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I understand, and you know, it's it like from day one, it's all adapt and adjust. You know, we we knew the wave would come again, and. You know, everybody's trying a different way. I do like seeing the effort Canada is putting into trying to keep as many people not getting sick uh, versus that's just my person. That's just my personal. Uh, all right. So, um, Ryan, let's let's shift gears a little bit. Can you uh, take us behind the curtain and uh, let our listeners know what it's like, uh, what it, what entails the work of a PA announcer? Okay, can I translate this question? Please do. Okay, so what Paul really wants you to do is convince us that what he does is really hard. (laughs) (laughs) There's difficulty in everything. Um, Some might say, like, my difficulty might be depending on, Paul, I don't know, do you do the music too at Warrior? No, you have a much more complicated job than I do. I just yep. do the, and, I, I just straight talk, yeah. And that's where my that's where it comes in because you know for all of these games that I do, I'm the public address guy, I'm the in rink DJ, and I'm my own sound engineer, controlling my own volume levels and things like that. So uh, on the PA side, preparation is the key. Know the names, become one with the names. Just make sure you've got them because that's the most important part of our job is making sure those names are right. Have you ever had anyone come up to you and say, hey, hey, man, you, you just really screwed up my name. Or, or vice versa, or have someone compliment you that, hey, you know what? You're the only one who's ever gotten my name right. I got a lot of that when I was doing basketball in high school. Like somebody from two towns over would say, hey, you nailed my name um but as i have gone further um not really because at least in the at the ncaa level you've got line charts and there's a pronunciation key there if you have questions go ask the sid before the game yep yeah that's that's the key like you said and that's the same thing i i've struggled with is uh when you get a roster like last night for instance at a hockey game i did division three game Got the lineups like five minutes before the game. No pronunciation guide, so y- you got to wing it. But I- I've actually had both experiences. That's why I asked the question. I've had people come up to me and say, oh, no, you messed it all up. And I've had families come up to me and thank me for getting the name right. So 
So at I, the end of the good, at right. the end of the day, we're looking to butcher score is zero, is, is what I like to say. Get everything right as best you can, and if you make a mistake, hopefully it's one that only you notice. And I, and I found I'm my own worst critic. Yeah, I am absolutely my own worst critic. Not only when it comes to speaking, but when it comes to the music I play. So well, what's relate. your preferred what's your preferred uh, playlist, Ryan? I'm all over the place. Um, just generally, uh, my own philosophy on hockey is that it is not a family friendly sport, and teams need to stop treating it like it is. Like what I would give for one warm up that I don't have to censor, just one. <laughs> I got to do the music one game when I first started because uh, they were a little short and uh, they decided they didn't like my playlist. So that was the end of my, my disc jockeying career. Oh, I was are, a little too heavy on the eighties metal. For oh, are there misses? Absolutely. There are, but um, more often you just find a flow. You're a little nervous at first because um, you know, you've got the music behind your introductions and everything like that. And then you're going right to a pump to get ready for the opening face off. Takes a couple whistles to find a flow, but once you find it, you know, you're going and you take what the game gives you. That's the way I look at it. So in, in to compare your job in, in both the PHF and, and NCAA, is there is there one thing that you wish, you know, the the PHF would do more like the NCAA or or vice versa or how do they how do they differ for you? Well, the pregame protocol between the two is pretty much the same. And I kind of think because it's a perfect because the PHF's a professional league, the way I'd like to do it, do the pregame is the way I hear it done at the NHL level, which is before the teams even take the ice, you announce the officials, you announce the visiting starting lineup. Then teams hit the ice, you announce your starters, everybody lines up on the lines, anthems, and go. I'd like to see that in the PHF. Yeah, it really does mirror a college pregame right now. Yeah. Almost to a T. Mm -hmm. Do you have any embarrassing stories you want to share with us, Ryan? Something that just went sideways real quick? or? Um, yeah, don't have Saturday, to. actually. <laughs> Saturday, I'm pretty sure, because I, I, I ended up in my script that I print out, I wrote down one team's starting lineup in the wrong place. So I might've misidentified them when I was going on Saturday. And I'm like, yeah, this is probably going to happen, but just make it sound good and that'll go. So can we, uh, uh, can we shift a little and, and talk a little college hockey? Oh yeah, by all means. Good with that. Absolutely. So uh, we we kind of touched on Canisius moving from from Buffalo State to the Harbor Center, um, and, and I I think it's fair to say I mean Canisius has some real challenges when it comes to uh, attracting fans, especially students. So you know the the there's there's the boat. 2,500 students at Canisius, of which, you know, only about 1,800 are, are 
undergrads. Um, I think I think they're well, knowing what I I know up here, there are plenty of of uh, those from the Great White North who, well, maybe I don't know about now, but they did would go down there and and go to school, um, do their their bachelor of education or whatever. How how hard is it to uh, to get those students to come out and and, and support uh, a team like that, especially one that's off campus? It can be a challenge, but our uh, our students, uh, I guess, PAP organization, C Block, it's called, has done a pretty good job, all things considered. I mean, they've hosted uh, pregame rallies uh, at the Kessler Athletic Center, which is on campus. You know, free food things like that, that'll always bring in college students. And then everybody, they're all like, hey, I'll end a bus or two that we've got here for you. We're going downtown. We're going to the hockey game. RIT's in town tonight and they bring fans. So we got to kick them out of our own building and, you know, we're on the table with them. And it, would RIT be considered uh, like the big rival or? Still Niagara, Niagara is Niagara's the big rival. RIT would be as well. And um, you know, the difference between RIT and, and Canisius is only about what 10,000 10, students or whatever. I mean, they have a I, I, I went to a game there, they have a, a huge following in their in their arena, which is a super nice college arena. Yeah, um, that was built with what within the past ten years or so. The Policini yeah. Center. Yeah. Uh, and, so and, yeah, there's and they just got some good news. They did at RIT. They're going to be able to offer scholarships to hockey players now. I think starting wow. next season. And they weren't before. Correct, because uh, hockey, I believe, was like their only D one sport, and their D three everywhere else. Okay. So they weren't allowed to offer scholarships to their Division One athletes. Now they are. Okay. And college hockey's funny like that. There are a lot, there are quite a few uh, D two schools uh, that that do D one hockey, and that's it. And, and even in your own uh, in your own conference, there it's it's kind of an uh, eclectic kind of kind of mix. Yeah, it is. I think uh, you know AIC, which is one of the top schools in the conference right now. Uh, Bentley University, um, I believe they are Division One in hockey and Division Two, Division Three in other sports. Division Two, Division Two. Uh, but that doesn't detract from you know the quality of players. Uh, Bentley has a really good business program, and I think they're going to be attracting quite a few players because, uh, well, they were here a couple weeks ago to play us and. Those were a couple of hard games, and Bentley historically has not been, you know, a, a insurmountable opponent. <laughs> They're on the rise, though. They're following yep. AIC's lead, I believe. Nothing wrong with that. The more quality hockey in Atlantic hockey, the better. The Atlantic League is no longer the laughing stock it once was. That's for no. damn sure. So, with the changes in the NCAA to uh, the uh, what is it? Name, image, likeness, um, which is which is freeing up, you know, money for players. I don't fully understand it, but I don't know, players are getting money. Uh, 
do you see this trickling into hockey at all or later? I don't, I don't believe I've seen anything just yet with the Griffs, but I think it's going to, within the next few years, as things continue to happen with the NIL stuff and people see how things are done, they'll be able to, you know, take advantage of it a lot more than they are now. Do you think it will change the eligibility so that players who have played junior in Canada, essentially, or, you know, Erie or Saginaw or Flint or whatever, um, that they would actually be able to play NCAA hockey? That's a really good question. I'm not sure of that because the major junior contracts, like in the OHL, there is like an education package or a stipend yep. that goes toward education. So it yeah. would be interesting to see how all of that would shake out. I don't know that there would be an immediate change into that eligibility. And that and that education package was brought in specifically to to combat the NCAA. Right. right? And and essentially what it can do is can keep some of that talent playing in Canadian university after they are um, finished with their junior career. Uh, if they decide not to play professionally, there's a, there's a clock attached to it. I want to say it's like, I want to say it's like two years that they would have to enroll as opposed to it, you know, in perpetuity or anything like that. That it's would be interesting that would, to see. That would sure change the landscape, though. Oh, yeah, it would. Uh, there have been some games, you know, where we've drawn fairly well. I mean, we always seem to have a good crowd in the building when Niagara's in town because it seems all of Niagara Falls comes down. Um, there was one game we hosted the Atlantic Hockey Final Four here in Buffalo one year, for one year. One of the semifinal games was Niagara RIT. Ended up ended up being a one nothing win for Niagara in overtime. Literally, half the building was orange, half the building was purple, and it was a sight to see. Nice. Um, we've we've had some non conference opponents in here. We've had Clarkson in here. Um, there are a lot of Clarkson alumni in in the Buffalo area, so. They even held a, an alumni mixer on the concourse, which you can see behind me here before our game. And I still can't believe we had them, but we had North Dakota here for a weekend. Really? Wow. And we swept them. Nice. All right. And that single-handedly kept them out of the tournament. It dropped their pairwise ranking to the point where they didn't make it on an at-large. <laughs> Whoopsies. So I'm I'm looking at the roster and and maybe this is revisionist history or whatever, but it seems to me that there are far more Americans on the Canisius roster than there normally is. I mean my my experience with watching Canisius hockey has been like it's ninety five percent Canadians and uh, you know maybe uh, one or two Americans, but it seems like it's a little. Maybe not quite 50-50, but it's a little bit closer to that. Uh... And that's a testament to, I think, to the job that our, that our coaching staff does in recruiting. 
you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence will go anywhere to find talent. Uh, and in the past, he's had a couple of great assistants to help with the recruiting. Um, Scotty Moser, who I believe is now an assistant clo- coach in Vermont. Uh, Taylor Nelson, who left the program I, and took another job. Uh, Marty Halenka, who's now the director of youth hockey for the Seattle Kraken. So we're all, they were all obviously finding success. Uh, but while they were here, they helped us find success in recruiting not just from the great white North, but all across the country. Yeah. It always seemed to me to be, uh, you know, that they were just kind of mining that, that Southern Ontario, Niagara area. That's where a huge chunk of their recruits were coming from. Um, and it didn't seem to be that diverse a group. Uh, but yeah, hey, I don't know who, who went on that uh, scouting trip to Sweden. But hey, <laughs> whatever works for you, right? <laughs> Video work yeah, does a great deal, I'm sure. And and how's the team doing this year? Uh, you know, we've had our ups and downs, but we're in the top three in the conference, but it's starting to get really tight. Uh, every game that we play is so important from here on out. We have Air Force this weekend. Uh, the big thing that will help is that I think all but one of our remaining games are at home. So we have Air Force. We have, I no, it's a home. Two aren't at home. We have a home and home with Niagara, a home and home with Mercyhurst to close it out. Uh, we have Air Force this weekend and Sacred Heart as well coming. And those, and from a, a travel perspective, I mean, Niagara is like, what? It's like, it's like going to the rink for some people, right? It's, it's yeah. not far at all. Yeah, uh, even Mercy, Mercyhurst is is not too bad either. So it's, I mean, it's not like having having <laughs> to go out to Colorado or to to the East Coast. So that that's that's uh, I think you're right. I think that bodes well for the the wrap up. It it's going to be a grind to the end. We just have to put in the work and you know. Take care of what we can take care of. Let the scoreboard take care of itself. If it means I get to blast the goal horn a whole bunch, I'm not mad about it. <laughs> hey, who gets mad at that? The, the Best job the ever. <laughs> well, you're the sound engineer too, so you you know you got some grandmas in the stands. They'd be coming and you know swinging their canes at you. Turn that music down. <laughs> All right, Ryan. So before we wrap up here, this is a, this is of course the Stadium Journey podcast. So uh, we all, we wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, under vastly underrated city of Buffalo while we had you on board. Um, I know Dave and I have done a few things talking about Buffalo, and uh, it's a place we've both been quite a bit. And like I said, one of the more underrated cities to visit anywhere in the country. What it. Um, Convince our listeners if they have not been to Buffalo, why why they should come visit for a sports trip. Like food, we got food. <laughs> no doubt, man. No doubt, Buffalo's got a great, great restaurant scene. You want wings? We got them. You want beef on whack? Charlie the Butcher will hook you up. Um, uh, and it just not just you know those kinds of things, but the ethnic food scene is great as well. Uh, pretty much anything you want, you can find it in Buffalo. So that's one. 
Number two, I alluded to a little earlier, it's easy to get wherever you need to get. Literally a 15-minute trip from the airport to downtown. Um, and number three, the people here are about as nice as you'll find anywhere. I mean, I know folks have heard the stories of us digging each other out after snowstorms. It's all true. I got stuck. Uh, there was a storm a number of years ago, dumped seven, eight feet in the South Towns. Uh, I was stuck uh, because of a travel ban at my now mother-in-law's house. And the day after, the first day where it was clear, it seems like I did nothing but digging cars out and digging, you know, shoveling stuff out. So we take care of each other here and we're about as hospitable as you'll find. Um, I can vouch. Um, although my experiences may not be 100%, but no, I have not had any trouble in Buffalo. And I've, I go up for Patriots games and I go up for Bruins games. So if I can survive those with no, uh, with no scars, I can vouch for what you're saying, Ryan. Uh, Bill's Mafia. Your take on them? Oh, we got characters. We got characters. <laughs> and this is this is the true measure of devotion to a sports team for being at the absolute pinnacle of the sport for four straight years and not coming away with a tr with a trophy at all, and then a just complete nosedive for the better part of a quarter century to still be there you got to have love in your heart for, for that. And I don't think, I don't think that's something that can be matched anywhere in North America. What, one of the truly great things I've seen in sports was, I can't remember if it was the, like the parade or just the next season, but the way the fans in Buffalo wrapped their arms around Scott Norwood um, after he missed that, uh, that wide right field goal. It was just it, unbelievable, right? Like it just seems like that. It, it just seems not possible. It seems like it couldn't happen anywhere else. I, I think you're right. I don't think that would happen, for example, in Dallas or say Philadelphia or Miami. Or, well, look at some of those soccer countries, right, where goalies have disappeared or yeah. whatever. It's That's some scary stuff. <laughs> um, Ryan, a hidden sports gem in the greater Buffalo area that our listeners may not be aware of. Buffalo Museum of Natural History. Or they, I don't know if it's still there, but they had a sports exhibit there. One of the actual, like, handmade sabers from the inception of the team back in 1970 was on display there. And I thought that was pretty cool. Um, apart from that, the rock pile where the Bills used to play, that's, you know, still in existence, not in, its, not in the form it was being played in. But it's it's there, and I think it's a, like a high school sports facility now. And of course, my favorite hidden gem, Robert E. Rich All High Stadium over on Main Street. Uh, I think that's Bennett High School, um, but that is where our soccer club plays, FC Buffalo. They're men, and they're now two women's squads. 
And that is just about the best place to watch a soccer game you'll, you'll find here. Nice. Yeah, we were, uh, we've talked to many times, you were talking about the fans and their, their passion for the Bills, but you could say the same for the Sabres. And you talk about a long-suffering fan base. Uh, we, we've said it on many occasions, I think every one of us at different times, is we wish we could gift a championship to the people over in Buffalo because you certainly deserve it. I would have given years. Jay McKee my leg in 2006. Because <laughs> it was just one injury right after the bloody other. And I, I think I read uh, that Lindy Ruff was laughing in like the airport bar when he found out. He's like, what? the coach like, why are you laughing? He's like, we just lost Jay McKee. He's like, no, we didn't. I mean, yeah, we did. Staph infection. Can't do anything but laugh. And they still came tw- 20 minutes away from the Stanley Cup final that they would have won. So, jeez, uh, I- I'm all upset with my questions. Dave, Dan, you guys got anything else? I'm just glad that they're bringing back the black and red uh, buffalo. That's Are they sick. really? Yes. The yeah. plug? It's Are no, not the the goat head, the black and red one from like 96 oh, to yeah, 06. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. Who came up with the idea that it was a goat head? I'm not it sure. It totally does not look like a goat at all. <laughs> but that, that was. You're right, it does not. No, it doesn't. But that was the jersey that, you know, I grew up watching the Sabres in and watching Dom Hashik make all those saves. And so I am beyond thrilled to see it back. The only question is who do I get on it? Do I get, you know, <laughs> Dylan Cousins? Do I get Jack Quinn? Do I get Alex Tuck? Do I get Ryan Miller? <laughs> Ryan Miller. See, I don't know. When they switched to that color scheme, see, I grew up on the cl- classic blue and gold with the, the Buffalo and the cross, cross swords. So uh, when they changed that, I, I was heartbroken. I, I always like Buffalo's look. but I know I'm in the minority here i understand that but damn if i didn't like the sabers more than i do now just as a general rule when they were wearing black and red man i loved those jerseys i again preface i understand i'm in the minority there but those were so sweet i don't get any hate that they get and i'm thrilled beyond thrilled that they're embracing that because they're all the reverse retro. It's going to be part of the reverse retro thing. Uh, I believe unless they're getting four jerseys no. next year. Now my view, take the sweaters we have now and that black and red alternate do not change them again. That is all we need. That's it. Yes. Agreed. That is, that is Buffalo Sabres hockey. And you know, if you win a cup in one, um, then if you win a cup of one, then you you could never get rid of them. Right. See, uh, the, the reverse is working in Philly. They went back to the jerseys with modified striping that they won the cups in, and they got worse. So I'm saying go back to what you were wearing before <laughs> in the night. <laughs> I remember only- I remember back in the old days, back in the and the, the old days. In the Gilbert Perot days, where we would get we would get uh WUTV. Buffalo 29 up here, which is now a Fox affiliate, but it was it was independent at the time. And they would have like, this is how long is it? They would have TV commercials for, you know, 
buy tickets for the for the Sabers, right? Like, when was the last time you saw a TV commercial for a for a professional hockey team, like at, at the NHL level? And they would always play saber dance in the background. Uh, that is one thing I really missed is um, they just, I don't know, it just never was part of the part of the repertoire on game day. Not like to, not like it, it, I think it should have been anyway, but yeah, I miss that. I miss that saber dance to me. It was one of the most uh, recognizable, but you know, Meanwhile, I'm over here. I'm like, when they wear those black and red jerseys, you play all the music that you played back then. I'm talking street fighting man for when they take the ice. Um, Poheed and Cambria for the power play. Flicker Sticks Beautiful for the goal song. Uh, yeah, just do all that. Uh, I, did a, uh, I did the music for a Sabres prospect showcase game a couple years ago. Played street fighting man when they took the ice and was getting all kinds of love on Twitter for it. Uh-huh. that's it you you can do that you can go with a, a retro song that hasn't been seen in a, or seen or heard in a while and and has some sort of significance and it'll it'll make a dent like when the maple leafs went to hollow notes you make my dreams come true as their goal song like i people that i went you know that i uh work with were like hey did you did you hear the goal song for the leafs and, and this is just on television, right? Like, this isn't, you know, I don't hang out with a lot of people who go to the Leafs regularly because, you know, I don't, I don't run in those, <laughs> in <Perfect>. those crowds. <laughs> They're in a whole different tax bracket than I am. <laughs> but yeah, that you could, you can really make some, uh, make some waves with your, with a, a new and original goal song. Cause I, I gotta be honest, like zombie nation or like it, for a while, it seemed like everybody had the same old, same old, you know, blow the They're horn. Get some variety. Rock in the and roll NFL. part two. Okay. Thank you. Nope. <laughs> that, that's on a DNP forever for me now. Yeah. Yeah. No, we can't. You and everybody <laughs> else. Yeah. We're not playing uh, that. <laughs> that's my favorite. That's literally my favorite part of hockey games is like, I choose the goal songs for everybody. Um, I, there was a naming contest for the Canisius goal song this year. Uh, the submissions we got were trash, so I ended up suggesting one. Uh, I mixed up a bunch of concepts, and they ended up choosing mine. We're going. We've uh, chosen "Legend" by the Score for Canisius this year, which used to be the new, which used to be the Butte's goal song, but they decided they wanted the shout song like everyone else in Buffalo. So, right, it's it's that thing that we do. We shout. <laughs> 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 so nice. Toronto Toronto went with Philly Blue-Eyed Soul, huh? What are we talking about? That, Hall and Oates? Oates? Hall and Oates. Oh, is that like the album it was from or something? I got No, he again. he's thank you. He's from Philly. Never mind. I don't know. Whatever. Daryl <laughs> Hall's from Philadelphia and it's Philadelphia Blue-Eyed Soul because it's blue-eyed. Never mind. Okay. Okay, sure. All See, right, the Ryan. Flyers should be playing Philadelphia Freedom like nonstop, but <laughs> the action news theme to kick off warm-ups a couple I years ago was tell, I can't tell if that's a yes, I'm right, or I'm an idiot for suggesting it. <laughs> Two things real quick, and then we're gonna get back to the star of the episode, Ryan. 
Uh, well, three things. First thing, Ryan, yes, agreed 100% on the Action News theme song. That was the remix that they played at practice. So, like, that should be the goal song. No, we're going to go with I don't even know what it is because I don't hear it enough at Flyers games. Eh? Um, two, we tried, Dave, but Comcast decided I don't even know what it is. I forget, but it's a song from the 90s. It's fine, but everybody's like, well, why don't we pick something local? No, no, we don't want it that. I was agreeing with you, but also at the okay. same time showing my frustration for anything okay. named Comcast <laughs> back to core. Ryan, back to you. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what they what the Flyers actually use for their goal song. I forgot the the name of it, and um, it's because I. It's not bad. It's just like it, it's just so not used. It's not. It's pointless. Philadelphia Freedom's right there. Hell, they could have used Dave Schultz's penalty box. They there is a band called the Boils, which is a knockoff. It, it's like a what? What do you call the genre that Dropkick Murphys are? Oh, yeah, Irish rock. I don't know what it is, uh. but it's like that style of band where it has Irish instruments mixed with modern rock or punk rock. And there's a song, and I hate the song. But it's called the orange and the black, and they only play it when they win. Why that's not the goal song when it was literally written for the team? I have no idea. But the team hasn't made a very good decision since Ed Snyder died. Back to Buffalo. I'm stopping now. <laughs> I used the Flyers goal song for Canisius a couple of years ago. It's kind of catchy. What was it called again? I forget the name of it. Right? It's, it's called "This Girl" by Comes and Cooking on Three Burners. Yeah, oh, it, yeah. Okay. I was gonna say if, if you don't know it, you if you heard it, you'd be like, "Oh, I know that." Yeah, and I never right. remember the name of it. Right. So that was the winner. The other two finalists were Tarzan Bo Boy by Baltimore and <laughs> Beer by Real Big Fish. <laughs> <laughs> Real Big Fish. Wow. Tarzan Boy. Oh boy. Yeah. It doesn't scream goal song to me. We all suggested, like, everybody in Philadelphia suggested completely different songs, and the Flyers were like, just kidding, this is what we already decided, pick one. And we're like, nobody wanted those. Not one person wanted these. Anyway. Your choices, A, B, or C. Nah, we're going to go with these. Oh, my God. Damn when it, I, I wish I was in Buffalo. <laughs> everybody says, well, at least we're not to be the Buffalo Sabres. I'm like, I, I don't know. I I could jump through table going watching the Bills game. <laughs> I'd rather go do that than watch the Flyers at this point. Just go ahead and get their Sabre game later that weekend. I that's what I'm going to do in my table. That's what I'm going to do in my retirement. I'm going to stand outside Orchard through, Park and sell tables. I've been hit with a chair. I've never been put through a table yet, but the day, the year, the year is young. I have an intact folding table. It will go on eBay for the start of next season. Let's see how much I can get if it's geo-restricted to Buffalo. <laughs> now, I had told I had told my wife this before the like Bills playoff run started. I said to her, I want you to get all our all of our important documents and anything sentimental. If the Bills make the Super Bowl, we are getting out of town because <laughs> yeah. if the Bills win. People yeah. will riot and the city will burn to the ground. Yeah. If the Bills lose, people will riot, people riot and the city will burn, burn to the ground. Yeah. But I was hoping you weren't going to say that you were going to like head to the Super Bowl because at 
what, 10,000 bucks a pop? Like you Jeez. said, way above my tax bracket. Oof. I will say this, though. You'd be okay because the Eagles won a Super Bowl and the town didn't, in fact, burn down. All they did was eat horse poop off the ground. <laughs> More than this public servant can afford. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. I saw somebody post a, a screenshot of the ticket prices and I was like, no, I'll never I'll never see a Super Bowl. I will never see a Super Bowl for that month. Even if charging... Seven hundred bucks for a parking spot for the even, NFC Championship game. Even if I was rich, I would tell them to kiss my butt. <laughs> like, no, I'm not paying that. In the words of one of my favorite shows that I'm watching right now, Letter Kenny, they got real high ticket prices in LA. Ah, oh. uh, I just started watching that last week, and the first two episodes, I was like. I don't know what's going on. And then it hit episode three. I was like, okay, we're good now. So so the creator of Letterkenny is from a place that's uh, about 40 minutes from me. Let's do so a lot Ontario. Yeah, yeah. My cousins, my cousins grew up there. I I know Listowel very well. Junior B, Listowel Cyclones. It's but yeah, like it's, it's, it's like all based off of like rural rural Ontario. It's Canadian Kevin Smith. I believe everything that's happening on this show, just like I believe everything that happened in Kevin Smith movies, except Dogma, uh, because that was the locals. I absolutely believe there are people like that up in that area, like to a T. I have no oh, doubt totally. about that. No doubt totally. about that. Well, Letterkenny is a bigger version of the town that I grew up in and graduated from high school in. <laughs> Very small town in rural western New York. Um, surrounded by farmland, so we got our hicks. Uh, burgeoning drug problem, so we have our skids. Uh, a really sizable Mennonite population, so we have them. And at least until, you know, the couple of years after I graduated from school, hockey players. Now, we had hopefully an in for the last Junior Sabres playoff run. Um, the guy who kind of, who kind of runs the junior, the U20, the junior team is Larry Playfair. He and the alumni association have historically overseen the operation of that team. Larry's nephew is one of those hockey players on Letterkenny. (laughs) So Letterkenny live was just getting ready to start their tour in like Toronto and the hammer. And I'm like, if we can swing it, if we have a home playoff game in our next round, can we get, you know, those two hockey players, maybe a couple other characters down here, give the boys a pep talk in the bench, ceremonial face off before the game. I'm like, that would have been sweet. Fitter patter. Fitter patter. And then COVID hit. <laughs> and then COVID hit. Uh, Thanks a lot, COVID. Oh, okay. Gentlemen, I think that is where we're going to need to wrap up for this week. Ryan, what I like to do at this point in the show is let you uh, promote yourself. If you want to, uh, you know, gain a massive Twitter following now, you can uh, let people know where to follow you and all all that good stuff. All right. Well, I thank you all so much, first of all, for having me on. This has been a very enjoyable time, way to kill, you know, the last of my night off during the week. Um, I kind of have a saying that, you know, when I'm working a game, it's not just another game that people there are experiencing. They are experiencing 
Burgemania. And that is my Twitter handle at B-U-R-G Mania. Instagram at Burgemania87. Um, I post, you know, all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Uh, good chunk of my PA demo reel is on Instagram and Twitter. And, you know, it's a great community I've found with other public address announcers like Paul here, uh, another colleague in the Premier Hockey Federation. And, you know, follow along. Let's have some fun. Hey, so that's all the time we have for tonight. Thanks, everyone, for joining us once again. Um, Mark Viquez couldn't be with us. If you want to follow him and his travels and his other side project, he's got a ton of them, believe me. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Ballpark Hunter. He's the Paul McCartney of this group. He's the Paul McCartney? What does that mean? It means he's got a lot of stuff going on? Yeah. Okay. Okay, he's the Ringo star. I was going to say, what does that make the rest of us? I'm the I'm the Paul McCartney. You're the John just, Lennon and Dave is George. Oh, the vastly underrated George. I'm, yeah. I'm cool with that. <laughs> he wasn't underrated to me. He was my favorite. Uh, Dan, if people want to follow you online and God help them if they do, where can they follow you? Jesus Christ. Uh, follow me at Danline83 <laughs> on all social media platforms. I'll be here all week. Don't forget to tip your waitress and try the veal. I've been feeling a long time. I don't want to feel. Dave, where can I was just follow you? And hey, it's Stadium Journey. Do you have any Stadium Journeys planned? Well, funny you should mention that because well, we're opening now. up again. So um, OUA stuff is going to kick into gear again. So I don't know exactly when, but uh, I think maybe after our next episode, um, I will have some OUA hockey and basketball to head to because uh they will be back in session and then boom boom i think two two or three games and then the season's over so <laughs> i don't know i don't know exactly what that's going to look like uh but you can follow me on twitter and instagram at profan9 uh check out obstructed views like ryan's gonna go and do right after we're done here obstructed views on youtube because this one's on the buffalo bills high mark stadium where we cover you know Bill's Mafia and all that kind of stuff. Uh, literary Journey also continues. I just finished West by West. Uh, interesting about, about Jerry West, uh, the Lakers player and executive. Um, reading the, the history of... Yes, the logo, that's true. Which he is very uncomfortable with. Uh, just I'm into two things now. The history of the Montreal Canadiens, which is um, in-depth. And everybody else has got... everybody has got to read this one. It's called Fans. It's by uh, Olmsted. What's the dude's first name? Mr. Mr. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. Olmsted. I forgot your first name. But it's all about, um, it's a, a psychological study of fandom <laughs> and why people do what they do. Rather interesting. So I'm going to probably make my wife read it. I'll give you the cliff note version. People are stupid. <laughs> so anyway, we, Twitter, Instagram at profan nine. Since we kept our guest on, I want to throw one more outro question at him because I don't want Greg to yell at me. Uh, should boneless wings be renamed, Ryan? Yeah, they're chicken bites. <laughs> there you go. There's Thank your answer. You. There's your answer. Chicken yeah. bites, popcorn chicken, which is what Sonic Driving has done, and. Uh, yeah, that's what you do. Rock on. 
Thank you, Ryan, for uh, indulging, Mister uh, <laughs> Mister Koch, Coke. Hey, for the people. All right. And uh, stadium journeys for me over the next couple of weeks. Uh, a lot of PA journeys for me. Uh, I think I just counted I have 14 games over the next two weeks. So if you want to find me, I'll be uh, at UMass Dartmouth Basketball, UMass Dartmouth Hockey, or the Boston Pride. One of those three places. I may squeeze an actual stadium journey visit in next Saturday, uh, depending on uh proud procedures and covid precautions i may be heading up to hanover new hampshire to check out uh dartmouth college for actually for stadium journey so stay tuned we'll let you know right now dartmouth is not letting fans in the building so that would kill a stadium journey right before it starts uh if you want to follow me uh check me out at puckman ri and remember you can find all of our 2500 plus stadium reviews news items and other feature stories on our website, stadiumjourney.com. Connect with us on our social media channels at Stadium Journey. You can find the audio versions of the Stadium Journey podcast simply by searching HIAC Talk Radio Network wherever you look for your favorite podcasts. Video simulcasts of the podcast can be found on Stadium Journey's YouTube page. And our classic episodes can still be found at votnation.com. Five years worth in the vault right over there. And join us. For our live streams every other Tuesday night at 7 Eastern at danlaw.tv. We will be back in two weeks. Well, actually 13 days. February 15th. Where we might be changing the schedule, right, Dave? Might be changing the schedule. We'll All right, so, so stay tuned. Stay we'll tuned. Let you know. We'll let you know. So, uh, once again, thanks, everyone, for your support. Thanks again, Ryan, for joining us tonight. Ryan Burgess at Bergmania, right? Did I get that right? At Burge Mania on Twitter, at Burge Mania 87 on Instagram. That's where you find me. Other than that, come on up here to Buffalo and Lecom Harbor Center and experience Griff Time. That's all I got to say. All right. So, for Dan, Mark, and Dave, this is Paul wishing you safe stadium journeys and close games. Hope to see you on the road again real soon. Be safe out there.